0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Allison Coten, an interaction designer at EPAM Continuum. EPAM's growing these days, and as I've been onboarding new hires, I'm feeling a new sensation: seniority. Sometime in the last nine years, slowly and in ways I didn't notice at the time, I've become deeply embedded in this big, diverse organization that's my professional home. Yes, I know our processes and outputs, how we collaborate with clients, and how our projects are structured. But by now, I know other stuff too. I know who can advise if you have questions about building trust with a tricky research subject. Who can help if you find yourself audited? The right colleague to teach you to run a quantitative survey, or edit your writing – that's a shout out to you, Producer Ken – or recommend a restaurant, or find the perfect cup of coffee. Now I'm passing that know-how on to a new cohort of colleagues who are adding to it in their turn. In this complicated work world we inhabit, I believe the relationships we build are the real key to professional success. And those relationships can be hard to come by. We're a global organization, so even outside of pandemic times, we all have colleagues who are miles and time zones away. We're all managing and hopefully challenging biases and social preferences to bridge diverse identities and lived experiences. Oh, and we're all also getting our work done. There's a lot on everyone's to-do list, which means building community must become an intentional, thoughtful practice. In this episode of Silo Busting, Lynn Rivenberg, a VP of Business Consulting at EPAM, gives producer Ken Gordon a masterclass in building these sustaining professional relationships. From mentorship across levels, to carving out safe spaces to share our challenges, to chatting with high-level executives, let's hear about the work of building a truly interconnected workplace. Hi,
1: Lynn.
2: Good afternoon, Ken. How are you?
1: Good. Welcome welcome to Silo Busting. I'm, I'm uh, really excited to have a conversation with you specifically because I feel like uh, you were interest, introduced to me as someone who was really busted through many different silos within the sort of EPAM uh, organization. And, and I'm very interested to hear your story and to have you tell our listeners about what that uh, was and is like. So, uh, why don't we begin by asking how long have you actually been with the organization?
2: I have been with EPAM since. June 2021, um, so about seven months now.
1: So you're still pretty new, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting, Kat, I think um, there's a lot of other people that are even newer than I am. But but yes, in the scheme of things, I'm relatively new to the organization.
1: Cool. Now, in a previous conversation, I was I was really impressed to hear that you uh, have created relationships even before you arrived at the job. Could you could you explain how you how you did that exactly, and and what have you done since then to sort of deepen those those uh, relationships that you that you created uh, out of nothing?
2: Absolutely, I mean, I think part of. Um, What I've learned in the journey throughout my career is it's really important to build networks and and sponsorship and relationships. So as part of the interviewing process, one of the things I did um, was to ask some of the individuals that I met with um, about other people that I should meet. Um, or who I should connect with. So I was able to really start to build that that network, if you will, prior to even coming. And I did reach out to people on LinkedIn. They were super receptive and even had some dialogue and conversation prior to joining. Um, after I got you know, here at EPAM, I then um, started to build on those uh, individual relationships and had set up monthly calls with those people uh, you know individuals internally. So Elena Schechter, who's our chief marketing officer, um, you know have, have been meeting with her pretty regularly, um, along with Larry Solomon, who's our chief HR O uh, person.
1: That that's really cool. So tell us a little bit. About the the networks, right? That you've activated since you've been here, because it sounds like you're 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 in, a, you're in a bunch of them, and I'd just be curious to to understand sort of what they are, how formal or informal they are, and, and sort of how, how your your network life uh, works. Sure.
2: Um, so, a, a couple things. One is I'm all, I'm part of the Women's Circle, and we have eight of those. I was part of a a program that uh, kicked off around November timeframe. Um, and I have to say, it was really just something that was super inspiring to me to have other women within the organization and we were able to network. So that's one way that I do it. Another way that I do is really through mentoring. So I'm also a mentor for several of our junior practitioners uh, within EPAM. And again, I feel like, you know, personally, um, it's it's just such a rewarding experience to be able to help uh, individuals. um you know, at different stages within their career to really think about some of those questions around, you know, um, making it to the next level or to just, you know, talk about different scenarios that are happening, how maybe I've navigated that in my own career. So, um, but, and I think then also, you know, my own personal network um, around my practice. So I'm, I'm the, one of the advisory lead. Um, for the insurance practice. So then building up within our business units and our account management teams, that's also been not only rewarding, but just been really important um, to the role that I play within the organization.
1: Yeah, I, I want to know more. I don't want to know a bunch of things, but first of all, I want to ask about the Women's Circle. How did you first find out about that? Like, how did that, you know, come on to your radar and and, and how was you introduced to that?
2: Yeah, so I they had done an internal, like, um, kind of survey to see if people were interested. Absolutely, first, the second I saw that email, I signed up and then they reached out subsequent to that and we formed our circle. Um, it's And it, again, it's different people all over the organization at different levels um, and also not within my practice necessarily which has been great, right? So it's, it's seeing other parts of the org and how they operate and talking through some of those things. Maybe some of the challenges people are having, again, a lot of people are relatively newer to the firm, um, so some of the challenges. And we walk through and talk through some of those things, and then also some of the really great things that are happening here at EPAM, and trying to share those as well um, to give everybody an opportunity to participate across the board.
1: Yeah, can you talk a little bit about what the how that it, it actually operates when you meet? Like, what does some is there a uh, is there an agenda set or something? How does that happen?
2: Yeah. So we are self-regulated and we do have a topic and we share responsibilities about um, uh, in terms of the meeting, like who's going to moderate. So we we have volunteers that moderate and we all take turns. Um, The beginning of the meetings are very open to, you know, if someone's having a particular issue and want to chat about something and then we do a check-in. So it's really important that everybody have a voice uh, at the table. So we're, we're all checking in and really, again, go through the topic that we're, we're, we're discussing. Um, If we've experienced something similar to whatever the topic might be um, talking about those things and then, you know, and then closing out so that everybody feels safe. I think that's the other thing that's, that's phenomenal about the group is that it's all um, uh, whatever is said in the group stays in the group. It's confidential. And that's, I think that's the other part we built a trust amongst the, the people participating in that group. There's a lot of trust.
1: Yeah. Psychological safety is really important in a group like that. And it sounds like you, you've really built some of it. Yeah. Um, have there been any overlaps from people who are sort of directly involved in your day-to-day work who are in the group that, that might've caused some issues Have there been anything like that in your. No opinion?
2: issues, but I will say that the person that I report to um, is part of the group. So it it happens to be a man. So we had one gentleman that was in our in our group um, (laughs) and he was and he was in the group. And I think, you know, personally, I shared some things um, that were very personal for me and um, and and he was in the group. And I mean, it was super supportive and just really I, I think it was a turning point, maybe even for the circle, right, where people when you're sharing things that are very personal to you and you have that level of trust. Um, and you you acknowledge that as part of the group. I think it really helped all all of us to really kind of form um, form our circle, if you will. And, and the, I think I mentioned it was a pilot, but yeah. we've actually as a group decided that we want to continue. And so our group is is actually meeting now. Um, continues to meet, even though the other groups may or may not be meeting at this point.
1: That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Um, one of the things you mentioned was mentorship, and I know it's an important theme in your professional life. Can can you tell listeners a little bit about what mentorship means to you, and maybe what it means uh, to EPAM?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So for me personally, I think it's not just it's it's not just the most important thing I do on a daily basis, but I think it's the most rewarding as well. Um, my job is to get myself like to find my next success successor, so I can you know elevate myself you know personally um, within my career. So, but through these mentoring, um, relationships, um, I'm helping again, like more junior practitioners to think about where they are maybe in the process, whether they're a manager or senior manager, whether they want to be a partner, right? Whether at some point in their career, they want to, um, you know, make, make that shift to the next level. How do you do that? Um, talking through obstacles. I, we also, um, you know, on, on a, um, we also discuss like Current events, things that are happening, books potentially that might be able, Ooh. you know, to, to to read some books that might be important. Um, in fact, I I have two executive coaches, Ken, um, that I tap into personally and have been able to leverage. And was really pivotal when I took this job and um, thinking about how I wanted to reframe my career coming into EPAM.
1: Oh wow. I'm curious about the books I, have are there any particular books you you've, you've brought into this sort of mentorship world of yours?
2: I, I think like from a topical perspective a re, a like planning right your ninety day plan that's been a book I think um, around um, the importance of networking and sponsorship um, their so their themes I'll say they're themes of books. Um, and then I think also around um, you know executive presence. And how do you elevate your game? Those have been really, I think, critical. Again, given where people are in their career, to start thinking about those things: um, how you're presenting, what is your network, how do you, um, you know, start to help yourself? Because sometimes, even even being self-aware, I think, is, is another one that I think is really important.
1: Cool. Now, uh, throughout your career, you've you've done some really imp- interesting work in sort of dni stuff and i was curious to hear a little bit about that and how that sort of paved the way for how you're currently operating now
2: yeah dni i I was the dni champion from the firm i came from um from my group and i think it's not it's core and it's it's so important um one of the things that i was able to do is create an academy called the rise academy and we had um, uh, targeted 30 underrepresented minorities within our firm to go through the program. It was a year-long program. So I developed the curriculum around that program. Um, the, initially, it was a two-day event in person. We brought leadership in um, across the organization to help support these 30 practitioners. And then, thank God, we had said everything else was going to be virtual at that point, And then the pandemic hit. I think the other intersection um, around this was the uh, social unrest that had happened, and given that the group was, um, you know, had a, had a mix of women and, and and men, but who were Hispanic and Black, and just listening to our Black colleagues and them telling the stories, um, and and really, again, I think listening was was the key to that. Just hearing um, about people's experiences. Um, was really, really life altering for me. And so I, I'm a huge advocate for, um, you know, DE&I, I think it's it's something that can actually um, enhance organizations. I think having differences of opinion and differences of culture and all those things that we, we have a lot of that here, even at EPAM, right? But having those differences can actually strengthen and you can leverage that um, to strengthen the organization.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think now about something really personal that you told me, which is about uh, your involvement with Scratch, right? And EPAM's um, project with Scratch and, and how that uh, FAME Kids pro- programming language became part of both your professional and your personal life. And can, can you give us a little uh, look into how that is working for you?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, another really phenomenal program. I had heard a little bit about EPAM Kids. Didn't really know what that meant when it, before I joined. Um, what ended up happening is a friend of mine is the executive director, director at Scratch, and she had just taken the job, someone from my um, from my um, MBA program. So mm-hmm. she reached out, and I told her I wasn't with that other firm any longer, but I was with EPAM, and she was like, oh, my gosh, there are – phenomenal sponsor of our program. They have been for several years. It's really important to them. So they invited me to an event, which I attended. Um, and when I say it, it became really personal, I have um, uh, four kids, and they are six and under. And so my... <laughs> daughter who's uh, six years old i was able to sign her up for the EPAM kids scratch program um it was run by a gentleman satya out of our california office but i just want to like it was a phenomenal event because of her age i had to participate as well um which is awesome so every um wednesday for about six weeks my daughter and i spent an hour and i just you know um watching her grow through that experience it's something that we were able to do together and then also understanding that the greater good of, of, of what epam was doing um you know given scratch and and how many people it's touching across the globe i just mm-hmm. you know it's just really been a passion and i'm still involved um in working with shamilka from our organization to help support uh scratch in different ways whether that's through funding um that we provide or even through um, resources
1: that we can provide to them um, to help them as well. That's, that's so cool. Do you do you find this kind of openness to sort of different sort of uh, initiatives and sort of uh, the ability to let the individuals in an organization really make their own course? Is is this something you've run into in other organizations? It seems pretty unique to me, but I'd be curious to hear from you um, how, how it hit you as someone who's, who's worked for a number of different uh, yeah, I
2: think for, from the Scratch perspective, Ken, what happened, and I, I have not seen this level of involvement. I mean, the person that created Scratch out of it—it's it, a program, programming language for kids to teach them um, early programming and coding—and yeah, yeah. it was um, started by a gentleman. I don't know his last name, it was Mitch. I know his first name. Basis, right? <laughs> yeah, so Mitch. Um, and Mitch has been to our offices. Uh, in other parts of the, the world, I think our Belarusian office he's gone to as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but I have not seen that level of engagement where you're working with the founder of an organization like that. And I'm talking like they're reaching out to millions and millions of kids, of kids across the globe. I mean, it's just the, the breadth and depth of what they've done um, from a, a programming language is absolutely uh, incredible in the short period of time that they've been in existence.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It really is. It really is kind of mind blowing. So I think the real question I have for you is what kind of advice can you give to people who are, who are new to EPAM and, and would like to um, sort of embed themselves in the culture in the way you have, what, what would you say, what What are the main things they should be thinking about and doing as they come aboard?
2: I think it's a, you know, it's a, about getting out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's about getting out of the comfort zone, Ken. Um, some, you know, in terms of networking, in terms of reaching out, I think it's, you become a really great listener as well. Yeah. Um, so that you're hearing what other people, maybe some of the challenges that they're having and how do, how do you become part of the um, solution um, in those cases? And I have to say, I mean, um, I have felt very welcomed. I, I know there's a a lot that's happening within EPM right now. And, and, um, and then I'm able to provide support, at some level, you know, even though I'm here in the U S but providing support for some of the, that are, our people across the globe at this point. So I feel truly blessed to be able to, to be able to do that.
1: So, so let me ask you this, what are you looking forward to doing in terms of getting out of your comfort zone, Going forward in the next, you know, six months or so, or maybe the next year, have you have you thought about how else you could expand your, your networking activities, or, or where else you might want to um, engage people in new ways? Have you have you given that any thought?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we we're challenged right now, right? We we've got resources in different parts of the world, and um, I need to s- still remain focused on selling our business advisory um, solutions to market and. There will be instances where we you know i will um you know have to not, not postpone work but we may have to elongate some of the work that's getting done mm-hmm. but i think what the difference is between what we're doing and potentially what other firms are doing is we are really looking at the impact for our clients and how we can be accretive to them um, we're not just screwing in software we're not just you know, going through the motions of things. We really want to understand their business, the business problems, and how we can solve those. So I'm really looking forward to the next six months. I think we have a really phenomenal opportunity ahead of us, even with the challenges that we see today. Um, but but I think it's, it's about getting heads down and really helping the organization um, because this is where we need to have a significant amount of growth at this time.
1: That's cool. Do you think that this sort of, uh, extensive internal networking is helpful for you. For someone who's working with clients and external partners, has, have the lessons that you learned from the internal culture helped you do your job when you go out into the world and sort of uh, make those those external things happen, make them real.
2: Absolutely, because what I'm able to do is bring the best of EPAM. Um, you know, I'm. while well, I said I was an insurance expert, right? I'm not a cloud expert. I'm yeah. not necessarily data and analytics and predictive models modeling expert. So I'm able to bring those resources to the table with me to have those conversations with clients. So I guess that maybe the the point is, I don't need to know everything. I just because I've developed this network, I have the network that I can tap into to bring to market with me.
1: Lynn, that is awesome. And I'm glad now that I am part of your network. And if you ever uh, need to to, uh, to reach out and learn something from me, I'm happy to talk. This has been a great conversation. And I really think you, what you're doing is is, uh, is a great model for a lot of people who might not know where to take their first step uh, with the organization. And you're really kind of leading the way for them. And I, I really appreciate you uh, telling your story today. Thank you.
2: Ken, thank you so much. And I um, anyone that's listening, if if I can be of help, uh, please feel free to reach out.
0: This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Lynn Rivenberg and our producer and interlocutor, Ken Gordon, for this great conversation. Cheers to Kit Palalis, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. I'm your host Allison Coton and I'm off to ask for some advice.